The Revamped Podcast, hosted by Lindsay Hepner. Rebuilding the Digital Entrepreneur. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Revamped Family, or the Revamped Fam. I'm going to cut off ILY on that. Nice. That's so hip and trendy. <laughs> it's so hip. That's so I'm really trying cool. to. Well, I'm seeing people like text me with the simp and all that stuff. Yeah, well, everything yeah. is, you know, uh, yeah. which I don't remember what that word means, but whatever. <laughs> it means simple. What does that mean? No, s- sympathetic. And like, you're like, basically, you'll do anything for a girl. Oh, shit. Well, I need to respond to these people then. You right? do, because they'll do anything <laughs> for you. I need that right now. <laughs> um, we have a great show today with Evelina Kardasova. Um, she comes on and she's going to discuss about YouTube, which I'm really excited about because I feel like all of us always need to learn more about these platforms that we're trying to Especially build. Especially YouTube. I mean, it's the number two used search engine in the world. Thank you for cutting me off, Chris. I'm so sorry. Today, our peace of mind is do better on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I think <laughs> I think the big takeaway from today is like... Uh, it's almost similar to what, you know, some of our previous ones have been like, she moved from Moldova at 19, took a chance, um, you know, and sometimes the chances are not right in front of you. She did it without really knowing at all. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if we look back at Gabby's episode, for example, Gabby's, she was working in modeling and she just kind of, she pursued that career. Evelina was just like, I'm moving to America. I've got this dream that it may happen and it may not. And here I go. So. Yeah, that's a that's a really big like leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I feel like you you having a dream to like move like drive to a city hour away, but actually coming from a small country and flying over not knowing anybody and taking a chance on like a better life for yourself is a really really big risk. And for this episode, it was really exciting to see what she's accomplished by just taking a leap of faith. And I hope this this episode gives a lot of positive reinforcement that if you just go after what you want to do, it can happen. You just have to believe in yourself. And, and I, f- I feel like Evelina has done such a great job at just believing in herself. Well said. Yeah, so let's get into the episode. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, we have Evelina here today. Evelina, hi. How are you? I'm great. It's my first podcast. I'm Is it? Excited? Yeah. I've never oh done a podcast. Gosh. So we're de-virginizing you. Yes. Today? Deflowering. Deflowering. <laughs> I mean, not your first YouTube visuals, but your first podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really surprised because you're so intellectual. I feel like a lot of people would have already asked you to be on their podcast because you are you're very in tune with the world i feel like that's a very nice compliment but nobody asked literally <laughs> no one else asked me to be on a podcast so well, i'm very honored honestly well i'm really excited you're here because 
I want to talk about a lot of things, just even to about how you started your career in YouTube and the way we met as well. I've been a huge Evelina fan since I saw you. And we can even talk about that, which is kind of a weird thing. Like, I feel out of a lot of people I've met, you were one of the people that I was not like starstruck by, like, because I just I knew who you were right at that moment, but more like girl crush on you for so long. And I was like, I have to be friends with this girl. I just like loved your energy. And anyone that knows Evelina, she's just so like fun, so fun to be around. And she just always like lifts you up and makes you want to have a good time. And she's a really supportive friend. Um, even when I've been here for not that long in LA, it's been really nice to have people like that around. So I feel like you're one of those people that I, I love to be around. And Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And likewise, I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for all the Aww. success that's to come with the podcast. You're already killing it. And I'm just excited to know people like you who keep pushing the boundaries of business and uh, being a woman in business and being a woman in the influencer marketing industry. And you're really killing it. So Aww, I'm very happy to babe. be here. Thanks. And why don't we start off? Okay, because there's I, what I've noticed throughout this whole process of being on a podcast and being with my friends that I get to interview is I get to really learn a lot about you that I haven't learned before. So I really want to know how, what what brought you over to the U.S. and, you know, tell everyone that's listening where you're from and, you know, kind of that whole story and, and how you decided to come over to the U.S. And, and become an influencer. So I grew up in a small country called Moldova. I feel like every time I meet somebody new, I have this like the same spiel of like three sentences. Like I'm, I'm from Moldova. Where Where is that? It's in between Ukraine and Romania. It's a tiny country. But yes, um, I grew up in Moldova. I finished high school there and then I applied for colleges in the U.S. with zero dollars to my name. Like I had to like find a sponsor or somebody that would like help pay for my education and also uh, applied for all these scholarships and somehow I got the grants and the scholarships and a sponsor which was a kind family from Kansas that just like believed in oh. me for some reason so they agreed to pay for my first year of college here and throughout the whole process my mom didn't really believe me at all that I could just go to the stage she's like you have lost all the deadlines for the Moldovan universities you're going to be without education like she was so mad at me but I'm like no I have a dream and it actually worked out Wow. So I feel like I'm the biggest like uh, believer in the like, if you really, really want something, you can it get will, it. If you yeah. And I really, really wanted that. Like, I feel like there's nothing more I wanted in my life than it, it than just to come to America and study here and like have an education here. So I moved here. And how, I sort how old of, were you? I was 19 years old. Oh, wow. So I yeah. mean, and my English wasn't as great as now. Yeah. Like my, it was good enough. It was very good, like writing wise and school wise, but I didn't know any slang. Like it was, I've had a very thick accent and like people kind of make fun of me. And, but I never took it as, as an offense. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, so then that kind of progressed and I sort of like transferred and moved colleges here and there as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to study because, um, as most immigrant parents, well, my parents still live in Moldova. Um, but well my mom just moved here but anyway it's, it's most like you know if you you have foreign parents if you have Asian parents you have Russian parents you know that they're very very strict on what you have to choose for school yeah so my mom and, was and um business right everything. Yeah, everything it's like if you're not a lawyer are you are you going to be a lawyer or a doctor or a failure like what do you want to do so my mom I had to like make her happy and pick political science 
And then once I got to America, I finally switched to like interior design, which still like I really didn't care for it that much. Um, and then I discovered YouTube. My, uh, I think I was a sophomore in college and I, I just had just transferred to um, a college in South Carolina. And for me, growing up in Eastern Europe, even though I grew up in such a poor country, I still grew up in like a city and I was very much so used to like going out in the city, always dressing up. There's always like people coming from different countries. So like I very much so grew up with like the city girl mentality. So for me, moving to South Carolina was very difficult, Mm -hmm. even though like I didn't move there from Paris by any means, you know. So YouTube for me became sort of an outlet for me to like, okay, like I can't really make friends here I can't relate to anybody I don't have nothing to do I have a lot of homework and I'm just like a new kid you know from like it's too even too complicated to explain my background you know so it was kind of an outlet of social expression exactly because I had yeah so I just started doing YouTube because I had nothing else to do and every day I would come home from school and it was just something I would look forward to doing like I would just record a video a day every single day I made a video it was just something um, that I love doing. And when you when I, I want to get back to actually the process of coming over here for anyone who's like having this type of struggle and really wanting to be in this country. What how long was that process? That was a very difficult process. So I have so much respect for any immigrants that come here. I feel like a lot of Americans don't realize how actually difficult of a process it is it's like for me i actually didn't have internet at my apartment Mm -hmm. i would go to these internet cafes um and this was a long time ago this was like 10 years ago i would go to this like internet cafes and pay for an hour of internet just to research how to come to america and then from that how to apply to a school oh you need a you know like an application fee that kind of stuff so like i like used all my christmas money which was 150 dollars to i had enough money to apply for two schools and i got into both so it's like it's all the money i had so my advice is just to do a lot of research and if you're a student if you are trying to become a student you can always be a student at any age really there's actually a lot of scholarships that are available to you whether you're um from a you know underprivileged background or if you're uh, your ethnicity or if you're uh, you have a special talent if you have a, you're a dancer or you speak mm-hmm. multiple languages there's actually thousands of thousands of grants and scholarships that Americans don't take advantage of yeah so yeah. that's something that's worth looking into and then once you do all the documents and paperwork with that you can actually come here that's really really interesting because I, I feel like people don't realize the struggle of it until they're actually involved. Mm -hmm. And as you know, you know, my ex-husband was, you know, coming over from Denmark Mm -hmm. and it was, it was a long process to get him over here and, and be involved in this country. And, you know, I, I really, really respect you guys for, for putting so much effort into wanting to, you know, have the American dream. And, and I could only imagine the, probably just being so like relieved once you get over here, you know, just not fearful of anything else and, and the process. Cause I, there's also things that where you feel you could possibly be turned down mm-hmm. and you're, you're spending all this money hoping that you get accepted, right. To mm-hmm. come over here. And Absolutely. so it must be such a relief to just be like, okay, I'm here. I'm going to enjoy it. So you were 19 mm-hmm. when you did the whole process. And then how old were you when you came over? Did it take no, a couple of years? Or? I, I came here at 19. Okay, so you were 19. So, so yeah, the process I, was like younger then, right? I started like started looking into it at about, I want to say 16. So a while, So I already yeah. knew. And then it took like 
a full like two years of like hard work and also you have to pass this English test called the TOEFL. So uh, TOEFL is test of English as international language, which is uh, something you need in order to apply for universities. So okay. if you have a certain score, you can apply to this type of college. If you have like a higher score, you can apply to the Ivy Leagues and whatever, whatever. Um, but you have to pass the test. And it's like a four hour test for like your uh, speaking, hearing, um, writing and grammar. And is so. this for everyone? For the, every single international student has it. to pass the TOEFL. And if they don't? You can't go to school here. You need the TOEFL score. It's kind of like the SAT. You have to do like the SATs and the TOEFL. So let's say you don't pass. Mm-hmm. Are you able to retake it or no? You could. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Just was wondering. Um, you could, but for example, they always change the score system. So mm-hmm. when I, I think when, it, when I took it such a long time ago, it was like, 150 or something like that and you only like maybe 120 and like for you only needed 60 to apply to like a community college or a Mm -hmm. state school and then if you want to go to like higher you needed like 80 if you want to go to harvard you need like 110 or something like that got it and Mm -hmm. how how long did you stay stay in kansas right is it kansas uh first i actually first went to pensacola florida and i went to a super crazy conservative christian school um, because that's what's kind of like what I had to do. And I got like the scholarship. That's a, I feel like that's a podcast of its own. I've meant to, I've been meaning to make a video. I actually filmed it a couple of times cause I don't want to get sued. Wait, I already named the school. Dang it. Did what? I name the school? Were you not allowed to say it? They are notorious for like suing people. Really? Like, like... Well, let's take that out. <laughs> okay, I just said the city. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, don't. Yeah, yeah. It let's just not to have say that in rhymes here. with Coca Cola. <laughs> what rhymes with Coca Cola? A city rhymes with Coca Cola. Pensacola. Oh, <laughs> is that <laughs> okay? That went way over my head. Sorry, that was a, that was a big parenthesis. I I feel like I've lived so many lives. I could like go and like tell you like hours of like each different like brackets of my life that I've lived through. So, but so here we are about YouTube. And, no, like, and and I love this because it's so interesting just to really understand like the process of coming over here and mm-hmm. being successful the way you did. You know, so. You're in Florida, and then you went. You were still part of the family that was in Kansas. Well, the family just sponsored for one year. Got it. And then that's that's all they did. Okay, yeah. so you didn't have to live with them. No, basically. Yeah, all they right. just kind of helped me out a little, and then I sort of still. I I moved to um, Orange County after that, and I did community college for two years, um, which was a lot cheaper, obviously, and I had a job, and I was kind of I I lived with like a host family, so. So what was nice. your first job? I was actually the assistant to the dean, um, yeah, at the at the liberal arts dean's office. Okay, cool. And I had my own office, which is crazy. Wait, that's amazing. And you were still doing YouTube this whole time? I wasn't, no. That was, okay. so that was the still the first year, my freshman year, I moved. I only lasted one semester there. And I thought I was going to get kicked out, like, every other day. Um, because, like, the rules were crazy. You couldn't have any, like, music on your iPod that's not, like, Christian hymns. Like, you couldn't touch people of the opposite sex like you had to actually like you couldn't even shake hands so if somebody catches you like a high five that's like 10 demerits oh, so like wow. 10 demerits that so you only had 150 demerits to get against you so i was always afraid to of getting kicked out like all the time and imagine the shame and embarrassment that i went through all this and then coming home to yeah. Moldova, i'd be like hi actually i got kicked out from my ipod like yeah that's so i was crazy. very careful wow and no wonder they don't want you to say that mention their name right I feel like it's changed over the years, but I've seen it's come out more and more with social media. And okay. it's, it's something very interesting. Like I'll, I'll send you some articles. Um, it, it's 
very very crazy the rules and the like abuse emotional abuse that 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 school does on people it's absolutely insane wow like i don't know how in modern society that type of school exists especially college not like a boarding school yeah i mean i could i feel like we could go really deep into that and i know we have to chris is just gonna yell at me if we go deep into that hole Because, like, I have a lot to talk to you about that later. But um, back to you starting YouTube, Mm -hmm. what was what was the inspiration that you were starting with? I I know, obviously, you were saying that you this was your outlet, you know, to feel connected with the world. Mm -hmm. But what, what, what were what were your initial videos about? So first of all, let me paint the picture. This is social media before Instagram. Before, um, I think Twitter just started, but there's no Instagram, there's no TikToks, there's Facebook, but people are just using Facebook to like upload a full album of their like night out on a Friday, which is wild today. Yeah. I feel like we like edit and like tailor one photo like so carefully, which is then it's like, oh, here's my whole camera. Oh my camera gosh. It's, so, it's so stressful. Mm-hmm. I wake up being like, I don't think I want to edit this today, you know? Oh, no. And then I'm like trying to make sure it curates well with the other photo that I posted. It feels like from the other end, it's like, oh, that was must have been so easy to upload. Mm-hmm. But it's so stressful when you're trying to paint this beautiful painting on your feed mm-hmm. for everyone to enjoy if they just come and see you for the first time. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Sorry, I just had no, to say No, it makes it sense. So it is a lot. It's very stressful. And I feel like our generation has the most issues with mental health ever because nowhere, nowhere in near in history has everybody felt like they had such a platform where they had to perform. Mm-hmm. Everybody used to live their life where they can just wake up, do their daily lives, they interact with the people they interact. Where now even people have a thousand followers, they still feel like they have the need to perform and show a certain persona. And for that's sure. bad for your mental health. And for if sure. you ask any influencer, YouTuber, blogger that's been doing YouTube or just internet for more than seven to 10 years, like none of them are okay. And, yeah. if, and if they are okay, they weren't okay and they got okay. Yeah. It's, it's very, it takes a huge mental toll. I don't even think it, like what you were saying, I don't even think it matters how long you've been doing it. I, mm-hmm. I feel the same way. I have to sometimes mute a lot of people because as much as I'm a very confident person, just being interacting with people that are do only showing like their their best selves is really really hard on you daily. Mm-hmm. And no matter who you are, and being in this space, it's like when you shut off your phone, you feel like okay, that all went away. Mm-hmm. But when you go into this wormhole of watching what everyone's doing, you're constantly comparing yourself and always having to up your content, your drive, everything. It's like this energy that you get instantly from social media mm-hmm. and it, and I can only imagine, you know, people out there who don't have the strength to, you know, be to like limit or kind of differentiate between what's real, what's not like, real, yeah. how like to compare yourself. And I agree, especially younger people. I personally uh, don't go on Instagram anymore. Um, I'll maybe watch like a few stories of like the five people that pop up and I just close that up because I noticed to really watch my energy. And the second I just like, you know, it's like an automatic thing. You like click the explore page. The second I click the explore page and I scroll twice, I get this like overwhelming feeling of like, ugh, like I don't yeah. like it. And then, like, I'll click on one photo. It's like, oh shit. Like, why can't I take a photo like that? Like, yep. And then it's like, oh, why is my feed looks so bad? And I try so hard. And then I click another photo. Oh my God. Like she's so skinny. And then I was like, wait, wait. 
put the phone yeah, away. Yeah. Put the phone away. Like, let's not do this. And like, yeah. I immediately know, like, I, I, I notice those thoughts. And that, but that's natural. That's human. I get, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that's also too, when people ask me about my career, they're like, aren't you always on Instagram? I'm like, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Cause I can't, I can't be, cause it's constantly reminding you of your self-worth and the platform really need for me is just business. You know, it's, it's structured for me that this is a time where I promote my businesses and then walk away and know that my reality is over here. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to be that way with yourself and be cognitive of what you're doing on the, on the platform, because it can take over your life and it can be very destructive. Um, but I think also too, it's very, I, I, what I love about it is this is in this day and age, how how much we are able to highlight something that we're building and creating so quickly to the masses is so unique. And with you doing YouTube, I mean, I've seen your videos and everything and and you've ha I mean, you've had mass success. You're over what a million subscribers? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So how did that whole process start because you first started with making sure that you wanted to have a platform to share who you are, but how did it become the process? Like, tell us the process of you becoming this influential person on this platform before Instagram, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So going back to, uh, 2011, um, uh, or 2010, yeah, 2011, like when I really got into it, um, like I said, it was a very, the platform was completely different and there was not, no even terms like platform, audience, content, none of that existed. I remember, I remember the, how I got into it. It was so random. There was probably like 10 people making beauty videos. Really? And first there was like, it was Michelle Fawn. She was like the OG. Um, then there's like Jay Loves Mac and then there's uh, Juicy Couture 07, which I know this sounds crazy, but if anybody's watching this, you know the OGs. <laughs> My first ever beauty YouTube video I've ever seen was a girl uh, showing a, like Blair, Juicy Star 07, she was showing what's in my purse. And I was like thinking, I was like, why is she showing it? What's in her purse? Like, what, what is this for? But also, I kind of want to do that. Like, I don't really know why, but like, what if I did a video showing what's in my purse? And my very first video, I showed what was in my art kit at the uh, the art institute. So yeah. like, I opened like a case and I was wearing all pink. Uh, that video is long, private. I don't even look for it. I was like all wearing pink. I'm like, going my... to go look for Me and Chris, that's that's the first it's thing. Private. It, it's private. Is it? Yeah. You got to open it up. We have to put oh, it no, on it, here. Have you ever heard of the word cringe? You know? <laughs> but cringe is good. No. Cringe is good. Yeah, it's good when you cringe at other people, but cringing at yourself, <laughs> it's like a whole different thing. And, and imagine this. You have a directory of 10 years of videos of yourself growing up on the internet. Yeah. And it's like, even though like, yeah, some of them I'm proud of it. But then like, other than that, it's like my face looks completely different. How I've grown up, how it's shaped up, how everything like. So looking back of like, just how like, hang guys. Like, it's like, I can't, it's like screech like nails on the keyboard. You know? I mean, it's, uh, it's chalkboard. Um, but anyway, so I, I just kind of uploaded it as an experiment because I didn't, I didn't know you could make money and nobody was. At the time, it wasn't yeah. a business. It wasn't this machine of like, you know, now people come into with like business plans, which is not not a bad thing inherently. I think it's very good. But back then, people were just doing it. They're For like, fun. What, "What is this? Like, I'll try it." And also, like, I loved attention. I always like, I would always speak in front of the class. I love public speaking, so I'm like, "Yeah, like, let's see how many people are gonna see me." You well, know? even too, it's really interesting that you say that you were there was only ten people really heavily involved in beauty, but mm -hmm. also you were 
kind of taking something that already existed, like the the opening of a purse and then making it your own. Mm -hmm. That is something we were recently talking to with the Hesri family about TikTok, how, you know, everyone's doing the same dances, but everyone's is unique. And it's almost like trying to create something that's better than the last one, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and perfecting it and making it your own. But you are already noticed that the engagement on it did well, right? Mm -hmm. People were interested. So it was something, it was almost like I got 30 views, which to me, I was like 30 people. I don't know. Saw this me and like, Elena from Kentucky are riding together into the sunset. Like, this is great. But it was probably me just refreshing it 30 times. Like, I don't think that... Wait, is is that... Well, is YouTube... They only do a view per person, right? You can't be the same Yeah, per IP. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you have multiple computers. So you did have 30 people. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. (laughs) And so when when did it take off? When was your video where it's like, okay... Mm -hmm. This is happening. I've always had a very steady, gradual growth. I've never had like a one thing that blew me up. And I was very, very consistent for about three years that I would upload. I used to upload either every day, every other day or twice a week, constantly, constantly. Like it was just something like I would wake up, like dream, breathe YouTube. That was my life. Wow. When I first started, I I was looking, I was like, okay, what would do well? And I would research like what would the the tabloids would write or like what was like popular on YouTube. And I would make my own rendition of it. Tabloids as in like on YouTube. YouTube no, like on, on the magazine. So I'd be like, you know, remember like back then, like everybody wanted that like curly Taylor Swift hair. So I made a Taylor Swift hair tutorial and it got like 200,000 views in like two weeks. So like that was like crazy back then. Got it. So and you then were, you were finding trends exactly. that so were was, like circulating. Exactly. So yeah. I was just, I would film like all the things that I thought would get views. And eventually once I garnered a, like an audience that kept coming back, then I actually started like filming stuff about what I wanted to talk about, about my life, about this and that. Because they were already committed. So mm-hmm. they're like, we're in whatever you want to do now. So in the initial process, you were trying to find stuff that people could relate to. Exactly. Just see whatever catches, whatever like goes. And the hair tutorials at the time were doing really, really well, which they still do. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that and... Some some video actually the videos that did the best are the ones I didn't expect and that's always how it works. Got like it. you're gonna work on the I, I I would hire I think that happened like three times where I like hired like an amazing editor like a crew and I have this idea I'm like this is gonna go viral <laughs> like not even a chance. Wait, so that's really interesting because mm-hmm. how many videos have you been thinking that like thinking okay these are gonna be the ones that take off and then the ones that you least expect are the ones that just blow up. I want to say <laughs> the ratio is like a hundred to one of what you think is going to blow up and what doesn't. And I think people like now, people really like just more simple, relatable content. I know it's like relatable, such a like regurgitated word, but YouTubers have come to be so highly produced, so polished, so perfect, which mm-hmm. does work out great for some channels because they've always had that professional look. Yeah. But now I notice the the channels that come in and get like really viral naturally in the algorithm um, are people that just like film on their like iPhone with like a little tiny microphone and they're kind of whispering and talking about their life and being quirky and silly. You know, like the Amber Chamberlain, Emma Chamberlain and the Joanna Cydia. Like those girls were just like literally vlogging in their bathroom about school. And people love that. People love the simple. Do you think also too, it's because a lot of people now, you know, are, are more involved with, you know, this AI kind of virtual world and not outside being social. And so it's more relatable to have stuff that's like not so perfect. Absolutely. Well, I think that the whole 
introverted and like just everything digital is like a whole different subject which i would like to touch on because i feel like we're the most depressed generation with mental illnesses and disorders that's ever lived on the planet earth because of that but to the relatable you know simple content um i feel like which i'm very very happy about um we're straying away from that sort of perfection like the celebrity look this the celebrity this and that and people are more and more actually treating internet just everyday people like real celebrities because people are tired being told what they should look like what they should do the overly edited look like people are people are exhausted with that and i think the magazines are freaking out they're going out of business movies are going like they're not making the same money like there's not not the same star power because people Mm -hmm. are tired and and exhausted of that perfect facade and perfect look because people are 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 killing themselves over it Mm -hmm. and it's it's exhausting every day to think to try and like you know, perfect that. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you. I, I think that's really important for our society to realize like perfection isn't everything and that to have quirkiness about you. And, you know, just even as an example, we were talking before, you know, starting to record, but my gap in my tooth, people have always asked me, why don't you fix it? And I don't want to, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it, even though like, it's not my favorite side to smile. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's a, it's an imperfection that I really enjoy about myself. And I don't want to have perfect teeth because I want to have something that makes me me. I'm also not an advocate, but I feel like if somebody has something that really does bother them, it's like life is too short. If you have the means and the opportunity to go fix it, go fix it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm also not for worried me, about that. Right. But yeah. but also for me, for example, it's like, yes, I've had the bump on my nose yeah. and like I've had the insecurity about it for a long time. And then I grew up and I was like, no, nah, it's fine. Actually, I really don't mind it. If I change my mind later, I can fix that. I, yeah. I, I don't. To, it's just the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's to each its own. Exactly. Uh, there's... If if something really makes you sad at the end of the day, go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're gonna feel better, but also too, I'm such an advocate for you're beautiful the way you are, and personality to me is everything. I think that makes someone makes someone a ten versus you know their looks. One thousand percent. Um, but going back to YouTube, so what what was the the initial video that pushed you to? Um, just getting this huge audience and everything. It was always sort of like a gradual climb. There was a couple of videos that kind of got like a couple hundred thousand views in the first year, which were like all hair tutorials. Okay. And then I think like as the time went on, like there was just more, like there's some videos that got a couple million. There's some videos that got a million here and there, but nothing was like a big push. Like that was something that took me over the edge. Like I would say consistency, which um, if you look at my YouTube channel now, Obviously, my views haven't been great because I haven't been that consistent. And I can give you the best advice. It doesn't mean I take it. But I think what really, really matters is to stay fresh in people's minds, is to like let yes. them think about the video they watch and then they see you again and see you again. And they're more likely to engage. They're more likely to like be present and like follow you and, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And how long does it like take us through a process of actually putting together a video? Because the thought of just doing an IG story is a nightmare for me. So how long does it actually take to do a YouTube video? Like just a hair tutorial. I love how you shake your head because it's such a long process. I can only imagine. So honestly, it takes me a really long time. But because I'm a perfectionist and I just take everything uh, forever with every element, which actually does me a huge disservice. Like I feel like I wish I had a more efficient process. But depending on the video, if like I just did a DIY video, that video took like 
maybe like three to four days to film because I was doing a lot of trial and error of like how to make the DIY masks. And then, um, then I had to do the portion of like me getting ready in front of the camera, then like the voiceover, everything. So that took like about a week of just like work on and off. Wow. But it it really shouldn't have to take that long. But still, I mean, the fact that you are taking different edits Mm -hmm. and making sure that it's what you want because that that also too that type of commitment also shows a brand mm-hmm. wow I want to work with that person because she actually cares about detail right mm-hmm. and what was what was your first brand actually that you that you worked with for YouTube because that must have been so exciting right to just get a brand deal after all this time of curating content and being consistent with it. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? To finally monetize not only from YouTube, but monetize from mm-hmm. brands that are seeing, seeing your content. Yeah, well, actually, the first brand deal I didn't get paid for, but it was like my dream. I got a brand deal with Steve Madden. And I believe at the time I maybe had like 80,000 subscribers or something like that. But the the deal was in a way where they flew me out to L.A. from North Carolina. And then they did this like shoot, which was like a dream. And they put me on the in this hotel, the Roosevelt Hotel on Hollywood Boulevard. And I was like, oh, my God, I made it. I'm in Hollywood. Mom, look at me. Like that was like such a big deal. And I was like so serious about it. Like it was like I came to school and like did a presentation on like how filming works. Like I was so cute and wholesome. Um, but he was and I didn't get paid for it. But it was like the biggest opportunity. Like for me at the time, I was like, Steve Madden. Like I was like, yeah. I would walk by the mall and like look at that. Um, so I think at the at the beginning, like I've been I've been in this industry since the very beginning, and to see kind of how deals have structured and evolved. Mm-hmm. And at first, it it just seemed so cool, and like it's something I never expected. I couldn't even dream that that would happen. Also, too, that's really important because taking an opportunity like that, you kind of just don't want to. Even though you're not getting paid, it's still showing that you're working with a brand. And oh, absolutely. And almost like it's like fake it till you make it kind of thing, showing other business or brand partnerships that, Hey, look, who's wanting me. Right. Mm -hmm. And like from a storefront, if you see that you're partnering with Steve Madden, did that filtrate in more brands to be like, I want to work with her. Look who she's working with. I mean, how do you decide what brands you should work with? And I think it's also important, obviously to stay true to who you are. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and what you believe in. So I can't, I can't imagine saying yes to every brand if it doesn't match who you are, but Take us through that. Absolutely. I think at the beginning, you would want to kind of build a portfolio of brands um, that would, first of all, align with you and associate with you. So if a brand has a certain look or a recognition that's close to your brand, even if you're not getting paid at first, but it's a good sort of exchange of, um, you know, the the name brand that will make your portfolio look good, I would say absolutely do it. Mm -hmm. Because I see a lot of influencers, like I I think it's important to know your worth, but I see a lot of people on TikTok and even Instagram just kind of complain. They're like, well, like never do anything for free. I disagree with that. I think at the beginning, it's important to kind of align yourself with the right people. And for me at the beginning, like any type of those brands I I kind of worked with and um, we tried to focus on different verticals to kind of make me very, um, what's it called? diverse in in the type of work that I can do so we tried to do um work on set like work with brands where I'd be on camera talking to the camera I would do commercials or I would do something like producing a piece and we tried to do red carpet work where we would we worked with AccuView and 
um, L'Oreal on the red carpets interviewing celebrities while the brand name was kind of on the microphone and that kind of stuff. So I really try to diversify my way in every way possible. So if a brand wanted to come to me, they don't just do like, oh, here's a take a picture on Instagram, which is fine. And like, this is the only way like I can do all these other things for you. Yeah, you kind of just branched out into different avenues so you could be profitable. I mean, just right. not staying in one sector, but mm-hmm. also to everything aligned with who you were. Right. Mm hmm. Um, that's really interesting because I, I remember when I first met you, you had, you were, had your hands in so many things and your content was so like, so beautiful the way you branded everything. I remember one was even like with Laura Mercier Mm -hmm. was so good and it it took, it looked like it took a lot of time to perfect, but that's the thing. Like if I was that high end of a brand, I would want that kind of content. So the fact that you you dived into a lot of different avenues kind of would, for a brand, I feel like, okay, if if, she, if we do this with her, she can also do a post. She can also do a video. She can also do a reels. Like exactly. that's really important for anyone who's, whose business is online that you can diversify yourself and video show is different king. options. Yeah. Video is king. There's nothing more than the, not more important than doing video. And I see more and more people doing that. I think for a while people just kind of wanted to do images, but I think YouTube, Instagram, especially IGTV. Now the reels are out. The, the reels, reels. Yeah. Everything. Well, also, Oh, by the way, it's funny you brought up Laura Mercier. Um, they were actually the most particular client I've ever worked with in my entire life. That was probably the sixth uh, sixth uh, cut of the video and the photo that they completely disapproved and I had to reshoot it and redo it. You just holding and just doing it and making it happen. I want to just let you know as an agency and, and with brands that I work with, we remember all of that. We remember how easy it was to work with you or how difficult it was. And if you want to keep relationships with brands and we all talk, you know, we all talk. And also there's only as my, as many brands as there are, you want to keep that value of a long-term relationship because the one-offs are fun and, and whatnot, but a long-term ambassadorship with a brand is super important. And to always remember that that brand can also recommend you to another brand that mm-hmm. they know. So it might be frustrating at that moment. And and I've worked with talent who are like, I, I'm over it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, you've just lost that relationship just completely by, you know, not wanting to redo something that they, I mean, you got to think about the other, other side of it. They're paying you to do this, you know? Exactly. So. And I think that that's something that I've also had to grow up and mature and realize because when I first started doing it, I was I was so young and like I never had like real experience in the professional world. You know, in college, they always tell you like you, they they, pre- they prepare you for the corporate world. And mm-hmm. in the corporate like people who you're working with on the other side of the agencies, they're in the corporate world. You're yeah. not. You're the talent. And a lot of times you realize not that it's something that I personally like think of as like as a talent, you have a little bit more re- leverage and they, they don't treat you like the same way that they would treat somebody in the corporate world. And very quickly, people get very comfortable and sort of can develop an attitude, yeah. which is not something that I've had. But like I will I, I it took me a while to like really like be very serious and like be careful with like how I treat and how I have to do. It. And if I have to do it 100 times, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll bitch about it to my manager, but I'll do it. And you got to think about how much money you guys are making versus a nine to five. You yeah. know what I mean? The, if, if, if a client is asking you to do something again versus probably making not even half that at your day job is 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 
mind-blowing exactly know? that's something like your software might be like okay they're paying me a huge amount of money yeah. i could get my ass and redo it they're yeah. the client exactly yeah. back then i feel like the monetizing of it is different from now right they changed oh it's the golden era of youtube yeah we made so much money so how how was that what was the conversions and everything i don't know any of that so i would love to like learn from you on that yeah, yeah of course so the easiest way to explain um do you know what a cpm is Kind of, but so, I know a lot of people that don't know what a CPM yeah. is. So a CPM is basically the cost per uh, minute, per view or something. Oh, I forgot about this. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I have a talk. Yeah, it's basically... Does, does wait, know? To, wait, I know exactly. CPM? Why did I just blank out? I just had a blot more. A CPM okay. is uh, the cost per 1,000 views. Okay. So every YouTuber um, has a different rate for the cost of 1,000 views. And that depends on how long their uh, audience retention is. Audience retention is basically how long are people sticking to view your video. So if your video's, video is 10 minutes, the audience retention is 10%. You know, they're only staying around for one minute. Got it. Um, that's not the best. You want to have like a great, int- like audience retention. Good is about like 67 to like 85%. That's a great like audience retention. And how which many is minutes a start, that? Depending on how long your content is, which Got is it. why YouTube uh, now pushes so much more long form content. Because What if it's only 10 minutes though? Well, 10 minutes like should be, it's like the advice minimum. If mm-hmm. it's 10 minutes, it kind of gets pushed more in the algorithm because YouTube can put more that more ads so therefore they make more money so got they're it. not as interested in pushing short form content because it doesn't make them that much money got it but if you're going to make a 40 minute video it's likely that people are going to stay for more than 20 minutes which is still amazing that's 20 minutes of audience retention that's incredible that pushes you up in the algorithm so the longer the videos the better it is for the creator it, well even too with different mm-hmm. with different uh, <laughs> with different platforms it's it's crazy to think like okay you can do long form content here but you can't here you know because people have this already subconscious idea of if i'm on youtube i'm gonna be here for a while if i'm on instagram i want something really quick and something fun or tiktok same thing but it's it's crazy how different platforms you know, make you already think automatically that this is the the atten- attention span I'm only going to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think our generation, the younger people get, the, the shorter the attention span is. So I still don't really get the whole long format content because I have the worst like... Um, what's it called memory attention span or whatever but at the same time I do really like watching podcasts or like I'll listen I have my little guilty pleasures and I'll just I have to have it like playing like I'll listen to like political debates or like I'll listen to like (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'll listen to I I love anti-MLM content oh my god like I even though I've seen like all the pyramid scheme like a million times I'll still be like you will not believe what these Huns are doing to recruit new people I was like oh my god what are they doing so I'll literally sit through one hour video and like just while I'm doing stuff Oh my gosh. So yeah, okay. but then on TikTok, it's like once I start, I can't stop. I'm like scroll, 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 scroll. Like it's it's an issue. It's a problem. With YouTube now though, I feel like the CPM's different, right? It's different. Again, it fluctuates. Like if you upload consistently, mm-hmm. you have a good audience retention. Um, you have good engagement. Your CPM rates go higher. You're you, there. If you're also with a network, um, I'm with a network. They can sell ads for a higher price. Um, to put like more premium ads so mm-hmm. that also affects your cpm but to be completely honest with you unless you're getting like millions and millions of view views um view money isn't like a significant form of income that's Got why it. sponsorships are yes yeah, sponsorship yeah. affiliate links like i would say views are the lowest form of income for most youtubers unless you're like PewDiePie. so what you're talking about is um 
integrating brand deals into your your content that you're producing correct absolutely so can you tell people out there what's the difference between like a dedicated video for a brand versus an integrated Mm -hmm. video a dedicated video would be um you have all these rules Uh, for most sponsored videos you do get like a brand deck of all the things you can't say all the products you can't use and usually a dedicated video means you cannot use any competitor products or even Sometimes you can't even use logos or labels or nothing that would like distract from the product. So the entire video is supposed to be about the product, which is very challenging if you think about it, because it's like I'm not running an infomercial. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> hey, guys, here's this new shampoo. Yeah. And today to for only $9.99, like that's what they would want ideally. But no, they want you to integrate it naturally. Show us how you use it and give 10 tips. And that's like for me. My goal with my content, even though a video is 100% sponsored, um, I want people to take something away and learn something from it. Whether they want to purchase a product or not, I want to give them some kind of useful information or an entertainment or something. So it's not that they just felt like they got duped into watching a commercial. Yeah. And also, too, that that goes back to the being relatable, right? Mm -hmm. And you want people to feel like, okay, I trust Evelina, so I'm going to trust this product. Mm -hmm. And you're not really doing a service to a brand if you're pretending to enjoy the product, which I think is what you're trying to say is like, this whole infomercial feel feels really fake Mm -hmm. and your following can definitely feel that because YouTube is usually like an inside world to, you know, you being at home. So being an infomercial on YouTube is, is going to turn a lot of people off. Right. Right. But which is kind of the, uh, like the fine line and the art of making a dedicated sponsored video because you really have to figure out how you're going to speak about the product enough to make the brand happy, but also how you're not going to piss people off and how you're going to actually come up with a title, with a concept, edit it in a way where it's still a video, not just a commercial. And that's, I think, is the art of it. It's it's not an like you're masking. You're not masking because we we are very open and honest. I've always disclosed every single one of my ads because mm-hmm. for once I don't want to lie and two, I don't want to get in trouble with the FTC. So and I have to. Yeah. But at the same time, like. You know, like I made a video on like how to do heatless curls, you know, and then in the video I incorporated like the shampoo and conditioner for Function Beauty. So it wasn't like, hi guys, why you should follow, subscribe to Function Beauty. You know, it was kind of like, like that. That would be a dedicated video. What's, what's the integrated video? Is that more less rules i guess i just did a video uh the the diy video was like a little ad read for skillshare so i love those i feel like those are my favorite because i don't have to work so hard to like seamlessly integrate it and like you know do all that where it's like hey this video is sponsored by skillshare make sure to check out their 30-day program da, 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 da. and they usually give you like some guidelines like read in the first half of the video or less like whatever mm-hmm. add the logo and like you're done so they essentially don't really care what's in the video it's just like reading an ad on a podcast really. yeah but it, it's also really exciting. I, I can't imagine, you know, on your end of getting to the level that you are. I, I get so excited just by the amount that we're getting right now, you know, and you're way past that. So, well, it depends. It, it comes and goes in waves. You know, sometimes you're you're used to getting like a couple hundred thousand views a video and then the algorithm changes or yeah. like you disappear for a month and you're kind of back to like working that up. So it's always like it comes in waves and it's very exciting when you're growing, growing, growing. Yeah. And then when you stop growing or you're not growing, it kind of gets like sad, but you have to keep going. You have to keep doing it. it what, is, what is the algorithm on YouTube? Well, I can tell you what I know. Okay. I think, I think good, clean content that's like kind of, I, I can give you like a list of all the, 
forbidden words to use that will ding videos demonetized. Oh, it's, a, it's a real thing. It's a PDF file of like a few thousand words. Wait, did they send that to you? <laughs> no, but I found See, after it. You, oh, you they, they kind of didn't admit, but it's true, especially words to use in your title. You want to like, I wouldn't say, yeah. You, Are you listening to this, guys? Are you finding this breakdown or Evelina will send us a link? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, some of the words are pretty explanatory. I'm going to start listing all of uh, is, them right now. Do well, you monetize you for life? Well, yeah, please send because I feel like Rampage's episode is going to be fully dinged. <laughs> I think, look, I think like if you slip in a few curse words here and there, it's yeah. okay. But it definitely does affect the algorithm in the long run if you have Got like a it. lot of like adult raunchy kind of like talk and content. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, all YouTube cares is about money and about um, having being able to put ads on videos. And, and if they can't put ads on, on content yeah. like that, they won't push it, which I think is ridiculous because here's the thing. If an ad goes next to a video, it doesn't mean that the brand is supporting the content. What it means is that it's it's catered to the person who's watching the content. You know, not everybody that's watching YouTube videos is, you know, like a family picture perfect person. Some people like to watch, you know, interviews with porn stars and things like that. Like I personally enjoy watching like edgy content. Like I love it. Like I can't, what, you can't put a Coca-Cola ad? Like I'll buy it, you know, because it's something like I enjoy (laughs) watching. I'll still buy Coca-Cola. You know what I'm saying? But it, it like doesn't make sense the way that they're, kind of separating now since the apocalypse happened but you kind of have to go by the rules got and, it um also the length of the videos kind of the longer the better which is great you're in the podcast space very oh, easy to do okay cool that's good to know also like you know you always encourage the viewers like as much engagement like and you have to kind of really do a call to action to the camera you always be like hey let me know this question don't forget to like hit the subscribe notification but you always do like a like a front call to action type of thing got it of course consistency yeah i think that's that's good and then there's a lot there's a lot of like opt- optimization things with like the tags and the description you don't like i can we can go it's a lot of boring stuff i can see it's you not boring to anyone yeah. who's writing down right now which one of them is chris behind the scenes yeah. so what's also too i feel like a lot of people have been less and less with the hashtag is that really important on youtube having hashtags and stuff like that like the ones that go above the the Mm -hmm. title Mm -hmm. i think it's important to have one two to three hashtags that are exactly like what the video is about you don't want to go over work because that's what the tags are but the actual tags you want to put as many as possible okay so with the tags I i remember actually uploading one of our videos and I was, you know, just tagging people that were in it. Mm-hmm. So what what do you think is the most important thing to tag? Let's say you did a Laura Mercier YouTube video. What's important to tag besides Laura Mercier? So, for example, uh, I would say what we would tag for this episode that would be helpful. So you want to the number one thing you want to tag is your channel name, mm-hmm. the video title and whatever's in your description, kind of like a, like a brief, whatever, like find a business tips, whatever. So your video is like perfectly optimized with like what, like, um, it kind of matches up with everything. It kind of hits the algorithm harder when everything is like the same. It's like you have the oh. hashtag at the top, the title, the same thing in the tags. You start with that. Then with that, you put the guest name, you put your name, you put, um, and then you put all the topics that you're kind of hitting and things that people are Googling. They're Googling how to start a YouTube channel. They're Googling, you know, the algorithm tips. They're Googling immigration. They're go- whatever, whatever that we talked about, the people so takeaways. are- Every single yeah. little thing you tag. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you kind of want to tag like- podcasts that are similar or things that like 
people your viewers that are also enjoying like you know you want to like reach those viewers i love that because that's so great because when i when i do youtube it's usually and we've all talked about it how youtube's our new teacher right mm -hmm. so i think that's really interesting that those are your tags because if i wanted to know more about youtube that is such a great tag to add into this video because we are talking about how to make youtube Exactly. That's so great. Okay, so exactly. that I just learned something right there, and I'm sure my whole team did too. <laughs> yeah, you want to put that in description. And then about the description box, mm -hmm. um, you want to include as little links as possible, um, which is why you'll see a lot of YouTubers, they don't link their Instagram or Twitter, they just put the at, because essentially what the... the YouTube app or the website wants us to stay, make you stay on the website as long as possible. Okay. So any type of link Got that's going to deter you and take away from YouTube, they don't like. Got it. So as much as like, of course, you're going to want to put some links, you know, and sometimes you have to link the music, the artist, the guest, but that's just something to keep in mind because there's a people that will put like, like a hundred million links of all their Amazon affiliates. And that's usually like the less, the better. That makes sense. Even mm -hmm. too, with the, I, I watch a lot of music videos and I noticed, I'm like, wow, they didn't like congratulate anyone that did this this video but that makes sense i mean it probably got more views and they pushed it more because there was no way to just get out of that video you wanted to just watch it because there was no links to anything else exactly with the agency that you're working with now do they present different types of ads to you that you might want on your channel or is it kind of just that's completely out of my control got it yeah i i I have YouTube premium, so I don't even know what ads play on anything. So they just sell whatever ads and they go on it. Yeah, I don't know. But that's through your agency, right? In, well, in usually terms of if you're part of the YouTube partner program, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not sure before you used to, you have to have like 10,000 subscribers to apply or something like that. Like, I don't know the details now. It's like a very easy, just like go on the YouTube partner program. Um, but basically it's just an automatic thing. Once you're accepted for the program, they start running ads and sometimes they start running ads either way, even if you're not part of the partner program or sometimes if your video gets claimed. And what's so, the percentage on that for you? I haven't like actually thought of these numbers, but I'm going to give you like a ballpark number. What I think is happening so what i know is off the ad revenue youtube automatically takes 50 percent mm -hmm. that's right off the bat 50 percent they take so you can see why they're so adamant about selling ads and pushing con like long clean form family content. long yeah. form family friendly content they can sell more ads they can make more money so out of that 50 percent it looks different for everybody across the board depending on their cpm depending how clean their channel is depending so many different things and then from there if you choose to do um if you partner with an agency or with a channel management channel network, then they do take like a small percentage of that, but they, they sell more expensive ads. They sell more premium ads. So for example, there'll be like, you know, Laura Mercier or L'Oreal will come in and buy like $10 million worth of ads that are specifically tailored to a niche and to a group of content creators that they want. So they'll sell you for those ads, which are the CPMs are much, much higher. I think what I was, I was also asking too was, mm -hmm. You know, obviously a lot of brands don't like to be having a similar brand on your channel. So how does that work? Like if someone like Revlon is competing with a spot on your YouTube channel mm -hmm. with Laura Mercier, like how do you guys do that? Do you decide whoever's paying more or, you know, you already in contract with Laura Mercier for the year or uh, mm -hmm. how, what are, what does that look like? Well, with that, we uh, kind of discuss uh, exclusivity contracts. So there will be some brands that will say, 
Um, they're very particular about that. Makeup brands aren't so particular, but for example, car companies. I've worked with Toyota and Buick before, and they will, in the contract, for one year, you cannot work with any other company. So if you're happy with the pay, if this and that, you sign the contract and that's their deal, that's fine. People do so many sponsorships. It's more of an accountability thing with your viewer. You know, if you're going to promote L'Oreal one week and then all of a sudden Revlon's your favorite the next week, it's kind of yeah. on you. Yeah. But they're also like in the similar family and there's so many like different types of products. So usually it's not an issue unless they like want like an exclusivity pro- uh, contract. I-, I can see that because you jumping around to different su- supporting different brands in the same genre mm-hmm. kind of makes you feel like as an outsider, like what are you <laughs> who are you dedicated like loyal to i guess right so you kind of want to pick your partners of course well i think it depends on the niche like for example if um promoting we did something with noom you know it's like a weight loss you know app and then the next week i'm promoting another weight loss app that's a little weird but if like nars came out with a new mascara and then next week lip like l'oreal came out with a new lipstick like it doesn't really matter it's like yeah. they're different so things that you're just like trying on makeup so yeah how do you maximize your views like Mm -hmm. right now like in this new (laughs) I mean I know why you're laughing I can give advice I can give advice yes give advice on how to maximize your views especially now I feel like so many people are more in tune to watching video and long-form content because we're inside we're staying in so how, how give some advice on that just to be real right now I'm not maximizing my views I'm sabotaging myself I'm literally, I've been self-sabotaging myself for the past however many months because number one, I'm not consistent. Number two, um, I post and then I don't promote and then whatever it is. But this is how you can maximize your views. Number one, stay, watch other creators and look what they're doing. Because I think for a while I've been doing YouTube for so long that I stopped watching other people. I'm like, it kind of like makes me sad and like it makes me jealous. It makes me weird because I feel like I'm not doing that great. So I can't, I can't watch other beauty videos. But the other week, I went and watched some people's YouTube videos. It's it's so important to see how, you know, uh, thumbnail creation is evolving. Because whatever thumbnails were trendy two years ago, which is what I've been stuck in, people don't do those anymore. They do like a lighter, different font. See what see what's in. See what's trending on the the the, the popular page, like in the beauty realm, and try mm-hmm. to stay. Uh, mm-hmm. What is what is thumbnail for anyone who doesn't know what that is? So, so a thumbnail is just essentially a photo of your video that your people are gonna click in like the sidebar, Got it. the subscription box, Got it. and and that's something. Another very very important thing is your thumbnail. And, and to maximize your views, like obviously you have to have a great thumbnail, an amazing thumbnail, and you kind of have to keep up with the trends. Like, yes, you can add your own unique and personal touches, but the thumb, like four years ago, people would do this god awful, like neon yellow with like oversaturated thumbnails, which I never partook in. Like, oh my God, I'm not like the other girls, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding but like now people like more like a light less edited so like you have to kind of keep up with the trend to make yourself to really give yourself the best shot at like people like checking out and finding out your your content and the same thing like whereas before like the talking in front of a camera was you know just like sit down and talk now people do more like a mix with the vlog style and do this and really study what people really enjoy and like Mm -hmm. right now so that's one thing to maximize your views number two is you have to be 
active and utilizing all the products within each app. So for example, YouTube has uh, the YouTube stories, is the community tab where you can post a photo or a GIF, it's kind of like, or a poll. Um, and then they have the, you know, like obviously the comments, the video. So you kind of have to utilize all the all the the products within the app so you can kind of stay relevant and like up top with the algorithm. That helps a lot. Okay. The live video tool, that's big. I've never done that, but it's it's great. I can give you the advice. I know what to do. My manager Let's tells do live video. The what what's the tools on that? What's the advice? I just I don't know what to do. Like what do I do? <laughs> what do I talk about? I'm just like I get so overwhelmed. Like I'll read the comments. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. Oh my god what is? I was like, hi. Like I get so awkward. But besides that, like the same thing on Instagram. If you want to maximize your views, and that's something that I actually tested out and it really really worked well for me is IGTV. You, uh, Instagram's really trying to push video views and like the the uh, long format content again, and. When I started really posting on IGTV, it, it did amazing because mm-hmm. they want new original content that's yeah. in video format. So really utilizing all the little things, not just posting the photos, not just posting the YouTube video and then closing off your laptop. Oh, another thing that I always have done that has helped me out a lot, I call it the power hour. So when I upload my YouTube video, the power hour for one hour, I respond to every single comment and I and I right talk back and right away talk back. So for one hour, I stay there and I just talk to everybody and I tell people, I tell people like I'm going to do a power hour the first time, whatever questions you have. And it kind of spurs like this conversation. And like, so you have that like initial push because the, the more engagement you get in within the first like couple hours of posting, you kind of mm-hmm. know how the video is going to do. Yeah. So if you don't get that at first, I, I already know. Like, oh, yeah, this is a flop. When you maximize in the power hour, are you also on your other platforms yes. announcing that you're going to be going live? With ideally, this video and yeah, all ideally, that stuff exactly. To so, prep them. yeah, and I prepare like all these like little forms of content that I have going with it, you know, like the story with a swipe up, or maybe I make like a shorter version. You really do want to um, take one piece of content, especially if it's a really good YouTube video, and mm-hmm. crop it and make a TikTok, make a reel, and make a IGTV, however much you can maximize your content. It, it. It's so beneficial. So within the power hour, it's just like a big push to everything like Twitter, like just go, go nuts. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you can. That sounds so, uh, so much work. I mean, when you described all that, I'm like, do you have an assistant or is that just all you? You're just cutting, creating, editing. I I think we've talked about this before. You do all your own editing, Mm -hmm. which is very time consuming. I mean, how long does it take you just with all that push, that hard power hour push of every single platform, how long does that actually take you to create all those types of forms of content? Well, I would say if I if I did it down to IGTV, that's like an additional like maybe hour or two because cropping alone doesn't just do it. You have to like drag and drop and whatever. Um, but I would say, yeah, like I, ideally I would love to have an assistant. I had I used to have somebody like edit my videos, like maybe for like five videos and then I fired them because I, I, I'm too much of a control freak <laughs> and I can't like they'll like cut like it a little the way that I don't like it and I just can't like I have to I have to have control, which is yeah. bad because in order to grow, you have to give out control. Yeah. Um, but ideally, yes, I think it would be so important to kind of like maximize your team and like give people tasks to do because it does take it takes me a couple of days per video if I'm really like focused and you know I, I keep working at it it's it's like so, a couple of days so when we when we talked about mm-hmm. this it's taken you a couple of days to actually record and create all the content and then a couple of days to edit right just like all together it just depends how fast let's say if I did like concentrated work nonstop. 
Um, depending on the video, if I'm really like in the mood and I'm excited to film and it's just a talking video, I can like knock it out in 30 minutes. So it's not bad with like without the setting up the lights and da da da. Yeah. And then the editing could take like if it's just a talking video, it's literally like two hours. I'm just cutting clips and adding some music. Like it's not it's not hard. Got um, it. But if it's like something more of a fashion video or like I have to like do a split screen or like add like an animation or like uh, I don't know, like I I'll do like motion tracked fonts and like stuff like that which thank god now it's so much easier like there's like actually apps on your phone where you can do all that like just so easy where before i had to do everything like manually in after effects which was like another like like i'll do a stupid little thing for like two days like i'll do like a little like um what's it called like a arcade game fight and yeah. like animate it all by hand and like just oh, so somebody wow. can be like oh that was really lame i was like okay <laughs> just Three days on the toilet. Thing. Wait, so <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. What apps are your favorite for editing and creating content? I mean, I use, I think, uh, like maybe four. Great question. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, everyone has their own process. Mm-hmm. And it just, the, the photos, even too, on my feed recently, some people have been asking, like, what do you use? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is layers of, of apps on top of each other you know right and once you get started you can't stop sometimes yeah. and i have to like put my phone down i was like this is so <laughs> sucking like just yeah. stop like i'm jealous of the people they'll just pick it up oh that looks good too yeah. it's a post no 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 um well for video editing i found the best one so the best one is obviously video leap it's like uh very popular right now so you can do like a lot of cool stuff with it like you can kind of do like these really cool like camera zooms and pans and like oh. and you can do all the simple stuff that you need to do just like cutting clips add, adding music music audio voiceover like all the basic things mm-hmm. and you can also add like really cool like titles and text effects and like they're animated like it's it's perfect so it's video leap for all the stuff that you do on ig or youtube is that for both or what is that for you can use it for whatever because you can essentially crop your video okay. like however you want it i personally um now i just i edit it really quickly in premiere pro so like just like the splicing sorry like the splicing and everything mm-hmm. the putting the music that and then i put it on video leaps just because i just like the titles it's so much easier and like if i want to add like some animated gifs and stuff or like little sound effects it's already there oh where perfect. it's like in premiere yeah. everything's manual so like i, I hate like i i'm start. I, I realize how much easier it is so i just do all the basic stuff there and then i take it there to like kazaz it a little got it and what other what other tools do you use like for instance filters and everything mm-hmm. my mind you we we did a, a filter launch like about a month yes, ago and evelina did i use your filters so much so oh, really? my other business chic photo bundles we we collaborated with a lot of great creators like evelina and they were able to create their own filters which are they're not supposed to warp your face or anything like mm-hmm. ig story it's just to color correct your content and i use yours all the time I love yours. It's awesome. very, it, it just does so well with my content. But um, yeah, what what kind of filters and, you know, mm-hmm. other apps that you use for that kind of stuff? Oh my God, I have, I have a couple. Well, the standard ones. So again, for to finish the video one, VLLO is really good too. It's kind of the same thing as Video Leap, but it's mm-hmm. great for like um, adding like little animations, GIFs, like sound effects, like stuff like that to make your videos like really cute. If you want to make a cute intro, that's cute. For filters... I mean, obviously, I use Lightroom with, like, that. Um, okay, I recently discovered... <laughs> I think I'll tell you all my secrets. I recently discovered FaceApp. Okay. Bro. What's that? Have Bro. you seen... Have you seen the hair tool? 
You have no, you don't Wait, understand. What? Okay, so does that make your hair bigger and like fluffier? You can pick your hairstyle, but it's not cheesy how you would think. You like adds like a wig. Some of them are, but like I would do like my hair, and it's still good. Like I'm not trying to be a complete catfish, but I'm like, I'm like, let me just let me try. Let me just see if it looks better. I'm like, yup. It literally like you put long and straight. You have it looks like a full blowout and it's beautiful. I was what? Like, I was okay, like, I could just not s- do my hair. Like that's my favorite thing. Like I don't use it for any. I'm sorry, I, know, I don't use it for any of the face stuff because it's a little too yeah. much. It, like makes you just look like a Barbie doll. But the hair, it's oh my like, god! It, like, wait, that is amazing because honestly, I I think that's the one thing I hate about doing content. I have to do my hair, you okay. know, and makeup. I mean, okay, so all of it. I guess. Let me just give you a little illustration, and we can. I can give you these images to yeah, show yeah, yeah. on the screen in the post. So this is the before. Okay. Do you which... want to show the camera too? Should we show the camera? Of... Oh, you can like clip it and everything. Yeah, I can like cool. just send it to you. So okay, okay. So this is the before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll show you like a little. And I didn't post because I thought it was a little much. But like, pardon and excuse oh, me. Oh, bro. It looked like you got your hair done. Yeah. Like full blown blowout and you bleached it. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. Basically, Evelina showed me what her hair looks like before she goes and Which gets her hair done. Which still looks great. Yeah. But the next one showed, it looked like you did a blowout. You you were in the salon for like five hours getting bleached. Exactly. And like, got like a whole. Exactly. It kind of just like, it makes your whole hair like super smooth. It Like every single hair strand is in place. And it kind of also goes with your head shape. Like it doesn't just look weird. Like the whoever coded this thing is freaking <laughs> genius. It's amazing. <laughs> Wait, so what is what is the app called again? Face app. Face app. Face app. So it's really close to Facetune. They were very smart with that. Uh, and they killed that it. trademark. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to download that when I get home. It's, a, to be it's so annoying because now I'm always like... I'll, it's not such a great picture, but like, but just let me see if my hair looks a little better and well, face not, up. And I'll be like, oh, damn it. It does. It does. Do you use it, it more does. than than normal? I honestly have used it maybe twice. I try not to because I was like, it's it's wait. It's a day ticketing. I, I saw that Facetune made a video now. No, I actually used it but on. That's what I would call. I used it a on cat, this. One. What is it called? A catfish. Catfish. Oh, video. For sure. It's not that good. I it's feel not? like just use a Snapchat filter. Like, it's, okay. it, it, there's no point. I was like, it. wow, that now they're going to make video on that? That's yeah. that's crazy. Because at least photo, like, okay, we get it. Essentially, video, it's, like using, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Essentially, it's like using an Instagram filter, you know? But, like, they try to make it, like, you're, like, think you're customizing it, but, like, you look crazy. Do you use the Tezza app? I really like the I Tezza app. I do use app. the Tezza app. I think that some of the filters are a little too harsh. Um, the reason for that is she designed it for raw images. So raw mm-hmm. images are already kind of like gray. And when you add those, they really pop. Um, but for phone images, actually, like a lot of her filters are too much. Got it. But I mean, it's a great app. I love Tezza. Yeah, Everything I that they do, I worship. Just want to like. Oh, yeah. Tezza like, Put that I, out there. I just, I just love her content in general. Mm-hmm. I think she's very aspiring. And yeah, the stuff that she she's a powerhouse she really is yeah she, she's great and i love her dynamic with her boyfriend who's what her photographer and yeah her husband yeah I, she's everything that they do is incredible and i feel like they're like a piece that's kind of been missing in the sort of influencer instagrammer world like mm-hmm. when she's like really started popping off she was a cultural reset like mm-hmm. she because of her people started using all these lightroom presets and there was this trend of the 
teal and orange and the photography with props and the you know the wide angle photos like she really pioneered a whole genre of content that nobody was doing now there's so many like mini tezas running around of course people like tezas of course people yeah because i mean she's a tall woman she's like uh six two which is amazing she's six two i didn't know she was maybe maybe six foot maybe wow that's tall yeah but like it looks it looks great though in photos though yeah she photographs really well yeah she photographs great I feel like a lot of people really want to know what you use for editing because I've always really enjoyed your your tones and your filters and the way you curate your content. It's mm-hmm. just so pretty and aesthetically beautiful. Thank you. So what is the next thing for Evelina? I know you secretly told me the other day, but yes. do you want to tell everyone else? Yes. I'm actually launching my clothing brand. Um, and I actually haven't told anybody this, but I'm launching my streetwear brand. So yeah, girl, very, very excited. I cannot wait. Um, it's going to be towards the end of October, beginning of November. I believe it's either right before the election or right after. We're still kind of playing with like a, a exact launch date. I actually have a call with them after this. So I'm very excited. It's been a crazy process. Um, I've been wanting to, I've never had merch. So, uh, for me, like launching something clothing related has been such a dream and I wanted to do it right. And I found the right people behind me to kind of help me and guide me through the whole process. Cause it, it is a lot, a lot of different um, facets and we can, whenever it launches, like I would love to come back and we can kind yes. of go through what goes behind the scenes of launching a clothing brand and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm really excited cause I've always liked, you know, you have like your own personalized style and she gave, Evelina gave me a sneak of what she's making and I want everything. And yes. what's so great about having a brand, the one she's creating is she's, making it very diverse to where it's it's almost for anybody right Mm -hmm. like that's what's cool about it is and and really important when you do start a brand is you have to be mindful of how many different types of body styles there are Mm -hmm. and and you got to be really careful about that the fashion industry has just been the most non-inclusive industry probably in the world for decades if not centuries um, especially sort of the high-end fashion. My brand is sort of like the mid and like very high quality, but like affordable streetwear. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's very, very important to kind of really cover all types of body types and even skin colors. We're going to have all kinds of models. I really wanted to keep it very diverse and inclusive for everybody because really fashion shouldn't be an exclusive club. Like I never understood the whole like I like brands being like, I only want this type of girl or like yeah. this type of woman to wear my clothing or this and that. It, it's it's silly clothes are not that serious like you, you, the most important thing is feeling good looking good mm-hmm. but feeling good so if you're going to tell people that they're not allowed to feel good in your clothes you're kind of failed as a brand yeah and and i agree with you i think also too what's great about streetwear is it's kind of like an everyday day lifestyle you know exactly. especially now where we're we're inside and we want comfort all day mm-hmm. so i'm excited about it because i'm really about staple pieces and the pieces that you're making are very stable to who i am so i'm Yay. like really excited to try them on i had that in mind i wanted to do something that you could style for just every day just chilling relaxing but mm-hmm. also you could pair it with an elevated piece and go out because I, I when I used to go out before quarantine or just going out in LA in general, I never really wanted to wear like a bandage dress or anything like super tight. Or even when I go to these like a meeting or something, like yeah. this is a little bit more casual. I always want to have that element of just like sporty and relaxed vibes. So I kind of created pieces that are going to um, like go with both, depending on yeah. how you dress it up. Just and I wish I could show you some because I feel like people are like, oh, that's so cool. I can't see anything. I know. <laughs> well, that just makes everyone want to wait to that it launches. But even too. I'm the same way. I'm very boyish when it comes to my style. Like I like to look a little bit girly, but I'm very tomboy. 
And I feel like I gravitate towards those kind of girls too. Like the Me group, too. a group of our friends is very like, I agree. whatever, I'll wear sneakers today and, yeah. you know, with my dress. Um, so we want to do like a lightning round with you mm-hmm. if we can, just to answer some questions. Let's do it. Let's go. Um, are we having, Chris, anything where if she, wait, she can't get these wrong. These are questions. Never mind. Okay. Now that we know that you're from Moldova. Yes. Can you give us some slang phrases? Blin is a very useful word. It's like it's like crap, but like it's it's not like a curse word. But blin essentially means like a pancake. So it's like you're like ah oh, blin, a pancake. Like, yeah, it's like a pancake crepe thing. Which it's not like you're not. It's not in translation directly. You know, if you were going to translate, but you say like oh, blin, I'm so tired. Or like blin, like what did you do? And you can use it in like so many different formats. Wait, so is yeah. it crap or is it pancake? Well, I'm telling you how you would use it, like, in the use of the word. Got you know, it. It's like a small, like, mild, like, curse word type of thing. Okay. Yeah. So, Blaine. And then what's another one? I love how... Wait. I feel like everyone always wants to do curse words when you do slang. Even, too, I feel like Gabby. I feel like what's there that's, like, something really useful that there's they don't have in America? Well, okay, so this is not a slang, but it's something that we do, and Russians do this. It's so useful, and I have to explain it to, like, a new group of friends every time. So in, in Russia or Moldova, if you don't have a drink, um, but you want to cheer, the person doesn't have a drink, but you want to cheers with them, you cheers with their nose. And it's so useful, because oh, everybody will be cheering, and the person doesn't drink, so, like, they'll be like, oh, no, bro, come on, like, pour a drink, you'll be just, like, cheers with their nose. And it's so helpful, so it's like, it's So it's what like if you break their nose? Well, you do it like very lightly. Okay. It's like to include them, you know? So if you want to include the person without a drink, you go like this. So you don't do water ever. That's still It doesn't a matter. Okay. You, you just cheers with their nose. Like that's why like they don't care. Okay. That's yeah. actually really cute. Yeah. I feel like maybe someone should do that with me next time I'm just cheersing with water. See how cute it is. So like you're not like, or if you don't want to cheers mad. at all, like it just, you get included and you're part of the group. Like I think it's so useful. Okay. Cute. Cute. Yeah. And then I want everyone to know about your tomato sauce infatuation. If any tomato, I'm looking in this camera, I'm looking in this camera, and I'm looking in this camera. If you are, or if you know somebody, okay, <clears throat> one more time. <laughs> if you are somebody who owns any type of tomato sauce, ketchup, puree, tomato factory, tomato fabric, and you are in need of a, um, a person who is psychotically obsessed with tomatoes that always talks about tomatoes, please contact me. My email information will be in the description below. I want <laughs> we to might, work with a tomato sponsor so bad my whole entire life. I'm obsessed with tomatoes. We, we might not put your email in the description because it's going to take away from our, our uh, Explore page views. But that would be a dream come true to ever. <laughs> I was like, my dream is to just be in like a bathtub of like tomatoes, like in a field of just covered in tomatoes. Is that too much? Sorry. What was the phobia that Aiden was saying about People who had phobias over I've tomatoes. I've never heard of that. I, those, um, what was it those called, Aiden? Wasn't there like a oh, phobia? Trent was oh, saying. I've never heard of that. There's, I've only heard that some Americans don't like tomato, which I think is bizarre and offensive. <laughs> Sorry, just going to say that. Well, we, we found out recently that there's like a huge phobia with red sauce, right? It like kind of is like a feeling of blood or, but people right? are i've never heard of that people are there's phobias of everything there's phobias of putting your phone side up you know <laughs> there's phobia which is real apparently there's like different people are afraid of like the mic is too close they hear they're afraid of hearing themselves like i people love are that crazy. you're just mm-hmm. pushing away the tomato phobia you're like yeah that's not valid whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck that you're like whatever <laughs> yeah wait so what 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 are you showing me right now you've been going to 
Yeah, Steve. Steve showing me what it's Those called. Those are not my people. Um, <laughs> it's called. Wait, can more mortisequis mortisequis phobia? Wow, that's that's crazy. We're gonna have to write that on the YouTube of this. Yeah, spelling. I heard there's like um, thousands of kind different kinds of phobias where like there's as many people as phobias really, and there's a lot of rare ones and crazy yeah, ones. Yeah, it's the fear of ketchup. But I think also too, what I what I feel is the phobia is it looks like blood. Cause I don't, I don't like getting like blood drawn yeah, from my nasty. arm. So I'm sure that people like yeah. have a really big phobia of, yeah. of red, red coloring. Anyway, I do not, if you're a sponsor, potential sponsor watching this video and <laughs> I do not have any phobia, I will cover myself in tomatoes and I will work with you. Please. <laughs> I'm desperate. I mean, I, I honestly want you to have your own tomato sauce. Oh like. My God. Like private labeling a full blown Martha Stewart tomato. I will cook that shit pantry. in my kitchen. I will not. You know what I mean? I like, know. I will make it. Like I. I mean that to me. I can already like visualize like the whole commercial with you in it. Just yes. being yeah, and then getting in a bathtub with tomato sauce. That's actually my life's dream. I'm not even joking. Like I know I'm launching my clothing line, but to launch like something like a tomato jam. Oh, man. I will go door to door and sell that shit. Like I'd be, I'd be so proud of it. Oh my god, I can see that. We talk. I, I feel like we talk about tomatoes every time I see you. Yeah. So this is <laughs> this is gonna be the lightning round with with Evelina. Uh, the team put this these wonderful questions together. So don't judge us, right? <laughs> Who is your favorite woman or man in business? Oh, right now I really like Tezza. I think she's killing it what they did with their unique niche and they've created their own niche um is amazing they basically created a demand and like a supply and demand for this type of look of the photos and they'd be like well here's how i edit them yeah you can pay a subscription, subscription model for it, which model. is amazing yeah mm -hmm. who is your style icon i always have such a hard time answering this i think i take a lot of inspiration just from um like european runway like streetwear brands and a lot of underground runway i mean uh streetwear brands like well it's not so underground anymore but i love like gosha Robchinsky and um heron preston and palm angels and off-white obviously virgil's amazing okay yeah. and what are your biggest business aspirations i mean we already talked about well tomato sauce i think right is that the, the biggest well, one so my biggest business aspirations i and i'm saying this on record you know, let's manifest things. I'm yeah, launching girl. My, I'm launching, first things first, tomato, we'll, we're going to get into that next time. But I'm launching my clothing line. So I would love and I want to see this brand grow bigger than me. I don't want, this is not like, you know, all about like an Evelina merch brand. I want, I wish I could say the name. I want It's okay, the, girl, mm, you can wait, be excited. I, this, I want this, this brand, yes, I want this brand to be bigger. I want this brand to be recognizable. I want it because the way I created this brand is I wanted to fill a niche that was missing. I wanted a really high quality, um, really high quality everyday streetwear pieces for women that weren't like fast fashion, something that you buy and you own and you have and you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on it mm -hmm. so i'm really hoping that it's going to take off i'm really hoping to get it into stores i'm hoping to really grow it beyond what i what i've grown for my own platform i love that and and also too you know obviously you can amplify any brand that you make because of you are the brand but i also think it's pretty unique that you're you're wanting to create a brand outside of you you know, yeah. which a lot of a lot of people either do or they don't. And they always like, oh, who's behind this? I, I've noticed that with some brands that they don't put their name on it, whatever. They have a different name. 
And no matter what, it still lives regardless of the branding of yourself. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's really cool. And and I really I from the pieces, I know it's going to do really well. I already Thank want you. everything. So you, you have to send it to me. I will. Oh, another thing I wanted to mention, which I think is very important, um, since we're talking on the business side, I've personally launched a couple brands. Uh, I've done like uh, I've done my own jewelry line, two jewelry lines, and I've done a couple capsule collections. And I've seen a lot of influencers just sort of launch a bunch of different brands along mm-hmm. the years. And my biggest advice, and like what I've learned from that myself. I think anybody can launch anything. And what I see a lot of people get that initial push, initial excitement, and then it sort of dies down. And then it's like, where are all those brands, you know? And I've abandoned some projects in the past that haven't done as well as they should. And you kind of get discouraged. So my advice is be prepared to really fight past past that initial kind of, you know, dopamine hit of launching and the first sales. Because if you really want something to succeed, you're going to you're going to like reach that low part of the graph, but you're going to have to figure out a new way to bring it back and always keep pushing and be in it for the long run. You know, don't just think that just because you had like a great launch or if you didn't have a great launch, you're not going to be able to you, you have to maintain that. Like mm-hmm. you have to really, really be prepared to work really hard, like for years. Yeah, really. And just do all this behind the scenes work. That's not fun. Yeah. And that's why it's really important to really love what you're doing, because there is a lot of work involved, regardless of what business you get into. Um, but I, I think I agree with you. Like you can't just see someone's brand and expect it to be at that level tomorrow. You have to put in the work and time and really enjoy the process of it. And clothing is such a heavy process. I, it is, yeah. I've been down that road and I've really, really loved seeing something come to life. But also too, I think a lot of people don't realize how much back end there is. Mm-hmm. They just see the final product on Instagram and go, wow, like I want to do a brand, but there is so much labor that, that is entailed and, and you have to commit. Like if you're going to say yes exactly. to something, you have to commit. You can't just be excited about the lookbook that's going to come out. Exactly. <laughs> like it, the commitment part is what's mm-hmm. crazy. And like committing through like past the initial launches is what I feel like a lot of people like they get past that. And then they sort of like, ah, it dies down. And that's yep. where I think it differentiates like the brands that are able to make it or not. Yeah. So texting or talking? What's your favorite? Talking. Not the best at texting. Oh, well, I know that. I don't know if Aiden, Aiden, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I love talking with you, so I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that you, like, answer your phone and you want to hop on a call. Mm -hmm. Uh, Favorite day of the week? All the days are the same for me, honestly, because you work from home. Yeah, right now it's, like... Probably, like, Saturday, because it's not Sunday. Sunday, it's, like, the anxiety before Monday, (laughs) and then Monday is just anxiety. (laughs) I'm enjoying weekends because no one wants to email me. I agree. Like, I love that, like, you know, past, oh, it's past five on Friday. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I can't (laughs) wait. Sometimes, like, people start at three. I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for making it three o'clock. You're over it. Summer Fridays. Yeah. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? New York. New York is your favorite? My favorite city in the world. Would you live there? Yes. Okay. Have you? In a heartbeat. I almost moved there a couple of times. I feel like I wouldn't live there now just because things, things are so different with Corona. And like I at this point in my life, I feel like I deserve to have a big enough space to where, you know, I can work. Yeah. In New York, you just kind of when you're like really young and just starting out and you're just hustling. Oh, my God. Everybody oh. should live in New York for at least three months. It's great. Oh, my gosh. Well, I I, I think I'd be too exhausted at this point to yeah. live in New York. Yeah, because exactly. The amount of stuff I do here, I'm like, I would feel like I'd have to ramp it up and I'm already mm-hmm. at my the I'm at the breaking point I feel like right now what's uh, a nickname your parents used to call you Evelinochka 
Well, Vilenska is like a is just like a diminutive for Evelina, but not many nicknames. I've I've heard like Evie growing up, but yeah, like everyone just called me Evelina. My mom very like enunciates it very perfectly. She's like Evelina. Yeah. Like no nicknames. Oh, I love calling you Evie. I love that one. <laughs> um, last song you downloaded. Um, a royalty free tunes for my YouTube background <laughs> videos. <laughs> you know Ooh, wait <laughs> tell people about that royalty free music and, oh. and what what is good about that and and why you should use that i feel like by now we all know sort of the copyright laws especially on youtube it's very strict you have to be very careful with that another i have a life-changing tip um hello thematic.com not Ooh. sponsored they have the most amazing songs that I actually like enjoy listening in my free time and they're all artists who are unsigned and like as long as you credit them you can use their music oh and amazing you have a huge library to pick from all free you don't have to buy it um thematic hello thematic it's actually amazing and I, I find so many great like artists that I personally enjoy it's not just like a little like corporate happy tune like yeah like, oh no. that's the frustrating part about it because like even too for my business I'm like that's the part that I really don't enjoy. Oh, it's like looking through godless. just yeah. just garbage fire yeah. and it like takes away inspiration. Sometimes it would take hours. Now thanks thanks to that I was I'm actually able to just go and like you can download a bunch, have like a library to just pick oh. from and you can save them and it's it's very like amazing. I okay, I'm it. I'm stealing that from you. Michelle Fawn actually like it's her it's either her website, you know, oh. the OG yeah. YouTuber. Yeah. Um, it's either her website or she's like a heavy investor in it. So like Got it has it. a beautiful like front, like all these like album art and like all kinds of genres. Like I really like like the indie version kind of. Okay, yeah. Stuff. The music is crucial when it comes to YouTube and video and stuff. Yeah. Um, Very actually. Yeah. yeah. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? I talk to animals, of Me course. Too. I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> What does that mean? I have to talk to more people just because I know more. No, thank you. I'm the same way. Um, favorite holiday? Wait, I, I would actually die to know what my cat thinks of me. My cats, like, what do they think? Oh my like, gosh. I, I, I tried talking to them once. I was like, hi. And I was like, hey, like, if we you have hear to, me right now, can you sign me? We have to show a picture of your cats right now because the they're, the they look guy. like they were Facetuned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are so perfect it's the crazy best. um a favorite holiday i would always say just summer i hate holidays i like just summer no holidays <laughs> easy living baby <laughs> how long does it take you to get ready in the morning oh i can attest to this a long ass time when i hang out with evelina i have to kind of give a 30 minute like fake time frame Oh, well, okay. Like, so we're really leaving at 8.30, but I say come at 8. I think it depends. I have like my... Aiden agrees with me. I have like my... I'm enjoying getting ready, get ready time. Or <laughs> I'm really enjoying. I'll pay a podcast and I'll like take a lash and this and that. And I'll do that. And then I have like my actual like get ready quick. I can do 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. But like Why I always... Why aren't you ever do the 10 minutes with me? I did it today. Well, yeah, you were on time today. I was very yeah. impressed. Thank I you. did it today. <laughs> I did it today. <laughs> Um, the scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? I'm a pretty good driver. I'm a horrible, like, p- parker. Like, I can't park for shit and parallel park. I would, like, stop in the middle of the road and ask a guy to parallel park my car. I mean, I kind of am with you on that. Even, too, when I was test driving new cars recently, 
I didn't want to repark it. I, I was have like, so much not, I, yeah, anxiety fear and anxiety it. and I can't. It's like, it's like, even though people are like, you're fine, you're fine. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to hit something. I'm yeah, it ain't worth this. it. Yeah. It just ain't worth it. But I'm a, I'm a great driver. Like, I'm pretty good with like figuring out directions and like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a grandma. I do a lot of break, breaking. I think I learned yeah. that from my mom. Um, okay. I drive with two feet always. Do you? Yeah. Because oh I feel gosh. like I'm more alert. And I've never, ever mixed them up. I feel like when I try to drive with one foot, like on the brake like that, I've like, I get nervous and I could mix up the gas and that. But like with two feet, I'm like seamless. Like, shh. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. That's that's very unique. I I, I haven't ever yeah, heard anyone say, say that. People say that. Do not give me shade. Everyone's always said that. You've never... <laughs> kill it on the road i'm absolutely but this, <laughs> Do not i'm ambidextrous so like that to me comes naturally <laughs> so fill in the blank taylor swift is boring <laughs> <laughs> okay well, uh, well we'll put that episode after i'm about Chris. to get crucified on <laughs> just the first thing came to mind i was like meh okay not my well i mean I, I like your honesty at what age do you want to retire? <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> I'm always going to work. I don't know. I feel like I can't see myself not working. Maybe I'll like stop for a few years when I have kids, but I feel like uh, I'm I'll like always that too. Work. I'm always going to like I'll be 7 years old like crocheting something on Etsy. Like I'll you know what I mean? Like I'm always going to hustle and do like a little something. Well, I think also too if you're creative, like you always want to be inspired, you always want to do something with your hands or I have something. To. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I'll be the same way. I'm like even too with the quarantine, I was like, okay, finally I get to sleep. And then it it was only a day. I was like, and tomorrow I'm starting all this. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't like relax. Yeah, but although okay, let me just paint this picture though. Imagine ourselves in like the south of Italy picking <laughs> tomatoes. Oh my god. Like amazing tomatoes. If you and, go like, to Italy and vegetable vegetable like working on your little garden, retired, I will actually do that. Uh, and painting outside, yes. Naked. Oh my god, yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. I, I would be in but that's still creating. To me, painting is creating. True. So but that's that sounds very ideal. After going to Amalfi, I'm 100% in. Right? Yeah. Take me there now. Um, invisibility or super strength? Super strength. What? I but I don't want invisibility because I already, I don't want to know like what people say or think. Oh, like, yeah. When I'm that's not there. True. Like, that's... it's like, it sounds amazing, but I'll, like, I am like, I don't want to. That's know. like more anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, why? It's like, just fine. Be nice. Don't be nice to me behind my back. But as long yeah. as you're nice to me. Wait, whatever. I actually, but I think you could also hit people when you're invisible, right? Can you do that? But on super strength, though. I'm going to whack them real good. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. Chris, what is this? <laughs> um, what is one thing people don't know about you? I'm pretty, like, feisty and fiery. Like, I will get, I can get, like, mad and I'm very, like, passionate. So, like, like yeah. Because on camera, I'm always, like, really bubbly and cute. And people wouldn't know that, that, like, you, like... I can get mad and I, I can feel get like, like that. Yeah. Your feistiness, because I've seen it, but it's like cute. <laughs> you know, it's like not. Well, Aiden probably has another. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's like a comment about that. But for me, like, I feel like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I feel like your feistiness is really cute. So Thank that's you. just me. But what's the, how about this? What is the last one for you is what's the first thing you're going to do when you're out of, out of this quarantine? 
I just want to go to a festival. Like, just let a girl see a concert, see, yeah. a, like, an artist. This was my life before this. I loved... I mean, I, I like, I stopped going as much, but, like, I just missed that so much. Like, yeah, that energy, that and... so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the last thing they're going to give us. You the, know? I heard. Yeah. That's the thing that they're keeping away from us the longest, I think. But... Well, I feel like I learned a lot from you about you today, Evelina. Now this I know really you. Fun. Now I know you to the fullest. Um, yeah, that's that's episode. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, subscribe to the revamped channel. Follow the podcast, Evelina. Wow. Yeah. Please like, subscribe, follow. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Also at Evelina on all your social platforms on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to give your girl a follow. Tell me that you're there from Revamped. I love you. Thank you for tuning in.